Last week I was standing out on my porch grilling dinner for the family one night and my neighbor came over. We hadn't seen each other since before our family got sick, after, before we had COVID. And so we hadn't visited for a while. He came over to check and see how we were doing. And of course, as he came over, I'm, I'm getting dinner ready. I was making, it's called honey mustard steak. It's delicious. It's, uh, it's just, you take steak and you make this sauce, this very, very rich sauce. It's delicious. It's got mushrooms and onions in it. And he stood there talking to me while I was getting the steak ready and you could hear the steak sizzle. You could smell the, the meat. And then I was putting the sauce together and I would have him, I'd say, look, check out these onions. Look what these onions are doing. And now, and then when I add the garlic to the oil, let's smell this, let's see how it smells. And then here's how the sauce goes. Look at how rich this Look at how thick it's getting. And he was just enjoying watching and seeing the sights and smells and the sounds. And I knew I couldn't let him leave without giving him a sample. And honestly, I, I don't think he would have left without me giving him a sample. You know, when you find something good, when you find something you enjoy, when you find something worth sharing, you want to share it with other people. And that may be a recipe. Maybe it's an encouraging book that you've read. Maybe it's a song that you've heard that's touched your heart and really spoken to you in some way. But when you're blessed, you want to pass that blessing on to other people. You want them to experience it just like you have. There is something wonderful that happens when we share blessings like that. You see, it's not just that the blessing is doubled that the blessing is multiplied when we share it. What you get back is greater than what you had at first. We're looking at the book of Acts, and we're calling this little short series through the beginning of the book of Acts, we're calling it the church on target. And we're, we're asking the question, what are we aiming for as a church? What is the goal that we're shooting for? And one thing we realize as we're making our way through the book of Acts is what we aim for is not just for us, but uh, it's not just for our church, but it's what we're aiming for, for our community. Uh, what do we want for our community? What do we want for the people around us? What do we want our community to have? Because we, as Christians and as a church, are being the church that Jesus calls us to be. We're going to be in Acts chapter 3 today. If you have your Bibles with you, if you've got a device with you that has a Bible on it, we're going to be in Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. <clears throat> Last week we were in Acts chapter 2, and that's the story of the day of Pentecost. Sometimes we think of it as the birthday of the church. I love that story, and I love that this story follows, because as Pentecost might be the birth of the church Acts chapter 3, the church is learning to walk. Maybe they're still a little wobbly at first, uh, but there's tremendous blessing, as, and I think it's a wonderful example here for us as we seek to bless those around us, as we seek to bless our community. Acts chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man, lame from birth, was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the Beautiful Gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. 
But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Luke takes very careful care to tell us about this man and what this man's life was like before he encountered Peter and John. Luke tells us that he was lame from birth. He tells us that they had laid him every day at the gate of the temple so that he could beg, so that he could ask for alms. Later on in the book of Acts, in chapter 4, verse 22, we're told that this man was over 40 years of age. This had been his whole life story. This had been all that he had ever known. This was all his life was. This was all it would have ever been, except... He encountered two men who believed in Jesus. He encountered two followers of Jesus, and they offered him what they had. This story is for you and me. This story is for us. Every time we doubt ourselves, every time we think we have nothing to offer anyone, when this story tells us that the way you serve can change a story. I want you to hear this interaction between Peter and John and this man. And as you hear their interaction, I want you to hear yourself in this story. Because maybe, maybe you don't think there's much that you have to offer. Maybe you don't think there's much that you can do for other people. But let me tell you, you have more to offer others than you think you do. Acts 2 ended telling us how the church was taking care of itself, how the people of the church were caring for each other. They were meeting together. They were providing for one another as any had need. And then Acts 3 begins the story of how they were reaching their community. And there's nothing complicated here. There's nothing organized, really. Peter and John are simply going up to the temple to pray because it is the time of day to go and say their prayers. But isn't it interesting that as they are on their way to pray, they encounter someone to serve, someone they can bless. I think something happens when we get closer to God. I think, as, I think you see more needs the closer you get to God, the more you pray, and you see more clearly what you can do to meet those needs. Now understand, this man was not laying at the temple because he wanted to be close to God. This man was not at the temple because he intended to worship, that he wanted to pray and worship. No, no, no. He knew that the best spot for him to be, to get the help he needed, to get money, the best spot for him was to be there in front of the temple. You see, for those who worshiped God, for those who worshiped in the, uh, in the temple, they knew that the devout, one of the things that the devout people did was that they would give to the poor. They would give alms to the poor. It was a sign of devotion. It was a sign of spirituality. He doesn't want healed. He doesn't want 
to worship. He wants silver and gold. And you hear that in Peter's response to him in verse 6. Peter said, I have no silver and gold. I wonder how many of us would have just stopped right there with that statement. I have no silver or gold. I am broke. I am flat broke. I have had some big bills come in this week. I am tapped out. And we would tell people, there's no way I can help you. How many of us see a need and think there's nothing that we have to offer? There's nothing that we can do to help But in reality, we have so much to offer people who are in need. We have so much to offer people who are hurting. We have friendship. We have compassion. We have the love of the the church and the love of Christ. As a body of believers, we can come together and we can care. I could tell you a lot of stories about some wonderful people who gave what they could and did what they could. I could tell you a story about a lady named Pearl. Pearl was from the church I was at before coming here. Pearl was a wonderful lady. She was elderly. She was getting older. She was widowed. And Pearl didn't have a lot of physical strength. But one thing Pearl loved to do was bake cookies. And I'll tell you, we never had a youth gathering. We never got the youth group together without having some of Pearl's cookies. I could tell you about a wonderful man that was a member of our church here. Don Lucas passed away a year ago with cancer. Don would serve. Don would climb around in this building to take care of the furnaces and replace the filters. Don would drive people to their doctor's appointments as he served with an organization, a ministry called Faith in Action of Edgar County. I think about how us here at Kansas Christian Church, how we pool our dollars, just a dollar, in what we call the generous bucket, so that we can help just one, pe- one person, one family. We can make one new story every month. And I think about those times when just with an encouraging word, a, a conversation, maybe letting someone know that you're praying for them, how much, that meet, how much that means to someone who is hurting, someone who feels alone in their pain, someone who is stuck, much like this man here, stuck and thinking, this is all I've ever known. This is all I will ever have. This is all I will ever be. You may not have any silver or gold, but you have a lot more to offer others than you think you do. And just like Peter and John in this story, you find out that when you lift other people up, you are working with God. There's there's an element of this story that I've always thought was a little strange. Okay, the, the whole story is kind of strange. I mean, it's more strange to me than the story of a man who's never walked before suddenly leaping to his feet for the first time. Verses 6 through 8, verse 6 again, Peter says, I have no silver or gold, but what I do have I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And he, that is Peter, he took him by the right hand and raised him up and immediately His feet and ankles were made strong, and leaping up, he stood and began to walk. I believe in healing. I've seen God heal people. I've heard stories from people I trust and people that I respect about miraculous healings that they have witnessed. Verse 8 says that he leapt up, he praised God. It was a miracle. But that's not the strange part to me. The strange part is right before that. Peter extends his hand, reaches out to the man, and lifts him up himself. Why did Peter do that? Why did Peter do that? 
There's some people who think that Peter did that because he didn't have faith that God would. And he thought that he was going to have to do it. I don't, I, don't think it was, I don't think Peter thought it was all about him. There are some people who think that, that Peter just simply thought, well, I'll get him on his feet and then, Jesus, you take him the rest of the way, and boom, the man would fall back. No, 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 that would, that would be a cruel joke. Something bigger is happening here, and it's something bigger that's happening to Peter. In this little act from Peter, by taking this man by the hand, he's connecting with him. It's a gesture of love. A couple of weeks ago, I was visiting a lady in the hospital. She's in her 90s. She's had a difficult life, a lot of problems. And as we visited, she was very unsure of herself and very unsure of her eternal reward. And she was very unsure of her faith. She felt very far from God. And as she told me her struggles, I couldn't help it. I reached out and I took her hand and she held my hand tightly as she told me her stories and as we prayed together that day. There are a lot of people around us who are hurting. And part of that hurt is the lack of human connection. People are really feeling that right now after a long period of isolation and quarantine. People need to know that we're there for them. They need to feel our presence because in our presence, we bring Jesus's presence to them. When we bring our presence, we bring the presence of God into their pain. I think there's something else at work here also. You know, the book of Acts was written by Luke, the disciple Luke. Now, Luke also wrote, obviously, the gospel of Luke. And it's there in his gospel, in Luke chapter 8, that we have the story of Jesus raising the daughter of a man named Jairus. Jairus' daughter had fallen sick. And when Jesus finally gets to Jairus' house, the little girl's already passed away. Jesus goes up to the room where the body has been laid out. And he takes three people with him, Peter and John, both of whom are here in this story in Acts chapter 3. He also takes John's brother James with him. And they're watching Jesus. They are wondering what he is going to do. And in Luke chapter 8, verse 54, we read there that Jesus took the little girl by the hand and said, little girl, get up. He took her by the hand. Peter saw that. And when the time came for Peter to heal someone, what did he do? He did what he had seen Jesus do. He took the man by the hand and lifted him up. You know, when you lift other people up, when you bless someone else, you're working with God to bring hope to that person's life, to bring healing to that person's life. But also, are you watching how other people help? Are you watching how someone else helps? Are you learning from others who are helping others, others who are lifting others up? Because I promise you this, as you help people, there are going to be others who are watching you. There are going to be others who are learning from you, and even more lives will be changed as you reach out, as you lift people up. Even more healing will come. One of the things I love about this story is it's not just the story of a healing. Physically, physically that's what happened. But it's about what happened next. There's a lesson here for us as we help others, and that is that the way you help others can bring them. To Jesus. You know, this story would be 
great if it was just about a man being healed. If it ended with the man being healed, this would be a wonderful story, but it doesn't end with him just walking. It doesn't end with him just leaping. It, it ends with him praising. Yet more than that, the whole community sees it. They are aware that something has happened and they are amazed. Again, picking up in verse eight, and leaping up, he stood and began to walk and he entered the temple with them. His intention, again, was just to lay there in front of the gate and beg for money. Now he goes into the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened. There's a lesson here. What we do to help others, when we help others, it speaks volumes about who we are, but it also speaks volumes about who Jesus is and the hope that he offers. For years, that man had laid there at the gate, maybe for about 40 years, maybe all those years he had been there begging. For 40 years, he laid at that gate, and that was as close as he ever got to God. The harsh reality is, I want to remind you again, he was not at the temple. He was not at that gate to worship in the first place. He knew that's where the people who would help him would be. It was a sweet spot. It was the main entrance on the east side of the temple. Everybody who wanted to be seen coming to worship came in through that gate. He wasn't there to get closer to God. He was there. He was there for his silver. He was there for his gold. He was there because it was a prime location, but it was there in his need that he encountered believers who healed him and he encountered Jesus and he worshiped. Once in a while, very rarely, but once in a while, the question comes up in a church, why are we helping these people? Once in a while, the question comes up, why are we helping that person? Why are we helping these people? I've had people ask me before, what have they ever done for us? Or people will say something like, well, they don't even come to church here, or they only come when they want something. Good. I'm glad they know that if they need help, this is the place where they're going to find it. They might learn that we care. They might even learn that we love them. The way you serve others, the way you care for others, it doesn't just change their story today and their need today. You could change their eternal story. So my neighbor came over and visited while I was making dinner. I had to do it. I, I had to share. I, I went and got a little plate, not a big plate, because I had to feed the rest of my family too. I gave him a little sample, a few pieces of meat, some of those onions, some of those mushrooms, a lot of that sauce over the top of it. I handed him the plate and then I stood there and I watched and he was silent. He didn't say a word and I got worried. I got worried. What if he doesn't like it? What if he's not enjoying it? And maybe he's just being polite and he's just going to eat it because he knows I'm proud of it and he, he doesn't want to say anything. And finally, I asked my neighbor, I said, I said, you're being really quiet. Are you okay? Is, is it okay? Is it, is it not, does it not taste good to you? After a few seconds, he finally spoke up and he, with his face over the plate, he just said, I'd like to be alone with this for a few minutes. 
He said, I, I, I can't talk right now. It's too good. I think it was kind of a religious experience for him. And I smiled. I beamed because what I had intended to simply feed me and my family, it ended up blessing my neighbor. And I saw the change it made on his face. You know, that's not always about steak. <sighs> that's about the way you serve. That's about the way you take someone's hand and about the way that you take them to Jesus. The way you serve can change a story. You might even find it changes your story. Just like Peter taking that man by the hand, just the way he had seen Jesus do with Jairus's daughter. As you serve others, you may find yourself in a place where you reflect the love of Jesus and the presence of Jesus even better. You see more and more of Jesus in yourself, more of his life, more of his love. It can change your story. And you'll even find that it changes the story of our church and it changes the story of our community. You know, one of the things I love about this story in Acts chapter 3 is it's not about the 12 apostles. It's not about the 120 believers who gathered in the upper room waiting for the Holy Spirit. It's not even about the 3,000 who came to Christ on the day of Pentecost. It's about two guys. It's about two believers, Peter and John, on their way to pray and they do the thing that they saw Jesus do. They do that for someone else. And in the end of the story, the whole community is filled with wonder. They're filled with amazement. Their love and compassion and service has impacted the way people see them, how they see the church, and how they see Jesus. I want to take you back to that very first verse one more time. Acts chapter 3, verse 1. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. Where were they going? Up to the temple. Why were they going? They were going to pray. Don't miss out on that part of the story. When you pray, when you seek that connection to Jesus, you will find new opportunities to help the people around you. New ways to serve, new ways to touch someone's life, new ways to lift them up, new ways to bring them to faith. Your service can change their story. It can change your story. It can change your world. In a moment, we're going to share communion together. And it's an opportunity to remember that Jesus' story has already changed your world. The penalty for your sin, what you know that you have done, and what you know that you have left undone in your life, that through His gift, through His sacrifice, He has made up for all that we couldn't do. He has, he has bought us back, and He has brought us to Him to be loved, to be forgiven, and in return, we offer him our service. Let's take a moment and pray as we, prepare, as we prepare our hearts to share the Lord's Supper. Father, we thank you. Lord, it wasn't silver and gold that you saved us with. It was through the precious blood of your Son. And we thank you that we have been redeemed, that we have been bought back through his sacrifice. 
And Father, as we take today, as we remember the body broken for us, the blood shed for us, let us also remember that this is an opportunity for us to reach other people with the good news of Jesus. And that might simply mean reaching out, offering a hand, offering a prayer, offering some encouragement, maybe even offering a meal, <laughs> offering a bite of our steak. But Father, we have so much to offer because we have received so much amazing grace from you. Bless us as we seek to serve and bless us today as we take of the Lord's Supper together. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I hope you're blessed today as you share this with yourself, with your family, with your friends as you gather. God bless. Have a great week and go in peace.